In today's show, we're going to be talking with Kuka Hill, the host of the Locked On Pistons, about Detroit. Very interesting team for this upcoming season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're going to talk about the team with the number one overall pick in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons. Cade Cunningham is a member of that team. Now we're going to talk to the Locked On Pistons host. So let's bring him in right now. All right, let's bring him in now. Host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, Kuka Hill, is here with me. Ku, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. It's the first time I think you've been on Locked On Fantasy. We've spoken on Locked On NBA before, but we're going to talk for this Pistons team. Just a bit of a look ahead to what we can expect for the future. Let's get stuck straight into it, Ku. Opening night, no injuries. Who's the starting five for this uh, Pistons team? So uh, there is a little bit of uh, conversation to be had about the backcourt. I believe like 95% of us, and it's like damn near 95% sure what the starting line is going to be in the backcourt. Uh, but I will say that there is conversation to be had. But we believe it's going to be Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, and then Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, and Isaiah Stewart. So the two places that I would say there's still left to be some conversation and may be decided somewhat in the preseason or Dwayne Casey may shock us. Like I said, the backcourt possibly if he wants to throw like a curveball at us. But also the starting center spot because they did just pay Kelly Olynyk a lot of money. And he would make a really good sense in that starting lineup, especially with Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham because he can space the floor in a pick-and-pop situation. So uh, the center spot, stay tuned for. Backcourt, I guess you can kind of stay tuned for, but I believe like it's 95% sure it's going to be Cade and Killian. Yeah, that's how I have that starting five looking as well. But I agree. There is, I guess, yeah, Casey can do some weird stuff at times. There is some yeah, risk of perhaps Isaiah Stewart. Uh, yeah, playing off the bench, even though he did play so well at the end of last year. Yeah, Killian Hayes started straight off as a rookie, um, and then of course hurt his hip. Um, but yeah, he could throw Josh Jackson in there. He could throw Hamadou Diallo in there next to Cade Cunningham because you've got a yeah, different sort of ball handler uh, at the two versus Wayne Ellington, who was starting at the two last year. So there is a little bit more flexibility. But I, I do agree that this will be most likely the starting five. We'll talk about some of those um, yeah potential changes a little bit later on. But let's go into what you think that bench rotation will look like in terms of you know, the main guys coming off that bench? So I think the, the most interesting part about the Pistons is honestly going to be their bench because there's so many different ways they can go. It's going to be somewhat um, – it, it's going to be so much in the air until you actually the regular season actually hits. I think the only thing you can know for sure is the fact that Kelly Olynyk will be the backup center or starting center. Uh, he's definitely going to get his minutes. Um, Josh Jackson is a big question mark. Uh, we don't know if Josh Jackson is even going to be on the squad when the regular season comes. Uh, but if he is, he's going to be fighting with Frank Jackson for minutes, who just got a contract with the Pistons this offseason and was one of their best scorers, if not possibly even their best pure scorer outside of Jeremy Grant last season. Um, so he's going to be competing with minutes with him. Um, Hamadou Diallo also just got paid, so you figure that he's going to be in that ring rota- wing rotation at the small forward and shooting guard spot. Uh, Sekou Dumboya is going to be fighting with minutes against Trey Lyles. At the power forward spot, many believe that Seku will likely get that 
at least the initial look at power forward. Um, and then also backup point guard. Corey Joseph likely is going to get the minutes there as well. Uh, in the spare minutes that they don't just stagger Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham at point guard, I think that's going to happen the majority of the time. But Corey Joseph likely will be the backup point guard in between those uh, minutes where they don't stagger. So if you had to make me pick right now, I'm going to assume it will be like Corey jo- Joseph. If you had to just do five backups, it would be Corey Joseph, Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Sekou, and Kelly Olenek with the possibility – I think the the biggest question mark there is Josh Jackson or Frank Jackson. I think it's very likely that Frank Jackson could could take Josh Jackson's spot or Josh Jackson could simply be traded. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Yeah, because they still have to make a move because they've got 16 guaranteed contracts. The expectation is that Jaleel Okafor will probably be gone, but maybe it is Josh Jackson that is moved on from um, and Frank Jackson takes that role as the backup uh, backup shooting guy. But it is interesting to I also wouldn't be surprised, Koo, if uh, Siku is traded. It doesn't appear that this front office and coaching staff is uh, particularly enamored with what Siku has shown through his first few seasons. Uh, of course, they weren't the guys who drafted him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has moved on for something else, but their power for depth is uh, is relatively low, unless I think Isaiah Livers is ready to uh, to step into a role alongside Trey Lyles. But that makes it pretty uh, pretty rough back there in that in that power forward position. But we've mentioned him already, so this is a good way for us to transition to talking about Isaiah Stewart because he hurt his ankle uh, at the pre-Olympics camp and then wasn't able to play in summer league. Do we have any update? Because it didn't look great, like the way he was limping out of that uh, practice. Uh, I think in Vegas it was. Do we have any update on where Isaiah Stewart's ankle is at? Um, I believe right before Summer League started, Dwayne Casey said that he could go, but they're going to be safe and just not play him during the Summer League. Uh, It sounded like if it was like a regular season, he may try to play through it, but since the Summer League doesn't really matter. So that was a few weeks ago. I'm going to assume that Isaiah Stewart's completely fine by now. Uh, They said after the the select team practice when it happened – um, that nothing too major, that he did have a walking boot. There were some pictures of him walking around with a walking boot on. Uh, but outside of that, by now, he should be relatively fine. Dwayne Casey said that if it was the regular season, he likely could have uh, kept playing. This brings us to a discussion about Stewart. Now, you did mention it about Kelly Olenek perhaps getting that starting nod over Stewart. Now, I, I, I mentioned a comment about Isaiah Stewart, maybe pre-draft, talking about how well he was impressive. He's solid. He's not a franchise absolute centerpiece. And if you, you, know, if you had had a way, if the Pistons had a drop to three, you don't avoid drafting like an Evan Mobley because you've got Isaiah Stewart. And then they cleared the runway. They traded out of Mason Plumley. That's, that's not true. They absolutely salary dumped Mason Plumley by giving up a high second round pick to get off him. And I thought, okay, well, they are really leaning into Isaiah Stewart. And then they bring in Kelly Olenek. So while the fit of Olenek is, I think, much better than Mason Plumley, providing that shooting, is there any skepticism that Stewart can handle a larger load? Because we did see him start to play more minutes towards the end of last season, develop a little bit more of an outside shot when they were uh, you know, selectively resting Mason Plumley down the end of the season. Yeah, What sort of confidence does this Pistons team have that Stewart can have, not, not just be a 26-minute-a-night starting center, but be a guy that can handle the bulk of that load, be 33-minute guy, be an, an absolute defensive anchor, because that's obviously what you want your starting center to be if he can't be an elite offensive guy like a Jokic or an Embiid. So I think with Isaiah Stewart, there's a few concerns about him starting games off and playing high minutes, like 30 to 35 minutes a game. Uh, the first one is foul trouble. He he fouled way too much last season. Uh, a lot of rookies do. Uh, but specifically as a center, um, that is something that you're going to have to watch for that will keep his minutes low. Uh, that's first. Second, uh, you did mention his outside shot as well. Uh, he did start taking a lot more of them towards the end of last season. I believe it was the last 10 games. He started averaging, I think, three and a half attempts per game. 
Uh, I asked for him to start doing that since it was at the end of the year. They basically were tanking to see what it would look like if he shot him more volume. He shot around, I believe, like 30% on those. Yeah, it so the good. percentages, yeah, the percentages did tank a little bit when he started taking a higher volume. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he actually does become. I don't think he's going to become like a stretch big, but I think he can become a, a big who can shoot. If there's a difference between those two, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to do that. I wouldn't. Me personally, I wouldn't bake on him being a high volume three point shooter at all. Uh, maybe he can hit a few every now and then, but I don't think that's going to be his role at least yet this year. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, it kind of ties into uh, actually that's not even really a concern, but the third one kind of ties into his foul trouble is that he actually did a pretty a much better job protecting the rim and stacking up some blocks uh, last season than people didn't think he really would be able to do that. Uh, but that also came with him getting in foul trouble a lot as well. So you figured that, you know, if, if he's trying to watch his foul trouble, maybe that will impact how many blocks he gets, how well he uh, protects the rim. So that all goes into it together. So there's a few things to pay attention to with Isaiah Stewart as a starter. Uh, really, for fantasy purposes, I'm assuming, it will be about how many minutes he can play, how much he, stats he can put up in those minutes. And definitely if the foul trouble is concerned, that can also impact where he seems to be pretty good at right now and, and protecting the rim and, and stacking up some block shots, those two can like kind of hurt each other. Yeah, that's a pretty standard correlation. The more minutes you play, the more your block rate drops. We've seen it happen with plenty of guys in the passing. A great example last year was Mitchell Robinson was able to stay out of foul trouble and then his block rate went way down because you you, you become less, um, less aggressive in going for those blocks knowing that you have to stay on the court for longer. So that is a problem. Now, I don't have Isaiah still projected for massive, massive minutes. Definitely don't think he's playing 30 minutes tonight, but I still think, yeah, and we'll talk about this when we do the Pistons fantasy show as well, that... Um, that he's uh yeah he's he's been consistently undervalued by fantasy sites at the moment but I I got to talk to you about a product coup and it is sweat block have uh have you got your sweat block have you got you got it there have you, I have yep uh, great product this is a doctor created doctor recommended product that is used for excessive sweating sweat block wipes that's the one you want you've seen it on Rachel Ray maybe because I know there's a massive crossover between Rachel Ray, Ray viewers and people who watch this show but you might have seen them tested on the firefighters you put it on before you go to bed wipe it under your arms. Get up the next day, have a wash, and you're done. Seven days coverage, up to seven days coverage. You might have to put it on twice a week if you're an excessively, excessively heavy sweater. But sweat block helps prevent those embarrassing pit stains. It helps prevent that issue of like, what shirt am I going to wear so I don't show these sweat marks? Sweat block is the thing you're looking for. You might have seen it at Amazon, CVS, but now you can also get it 20% off at sweatblock.com, but only if you use our promo code Locked on. So go to sweatblock.com and use our promo code Locked on for 20% off the sweat block wipes and all their other products. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device. It lets you connect or lets you catch the game live. Another lets you watch your streaming your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on the phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the other good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. All right, time for us Koo, to move on to the next question that I have for you. Will Dwayne Casey f- be in love with Corey Joseph again? Because we saw at the end of last season that Joseph came over in the trade for DeLon Wright, 
And the Pistons were obviously full-on tank mode. And then we just kept getting 30-plus minutes of Corey Joseph. And Killian Hayes would be marginalized, or Frank Jackson would be marginalized, or Josh Jackson would be marginalized, or Hamadou Diallo would be marginalized. And it was basically the Corey Joseph show. Ball in his hands. He's generating the highest assist rate I think he'd ever had in his career. Um, And we saw Casey really, really fall in love with Joseph in a situation where um, there's no reason for him to be playing out there. So my, my question is, again, will we get too much Corey Joseph this season when the ball should be in Killian's or Cade's hands the majority of the time? I can't rule it out. Uh, Dwayne Casey <laughs> yeah, obviously has a history with Corey Joseph going back to Toronto. Um, trust me, you're, you're, you're all of your guys' shock playing fantasy. Definitely you, imagine the piston shock when uh, Corey Joseph was the one leading you know the team in usage rate every time he was on the floor. And just like it's, it was – it was it was definitely a fun experience, I suppose I should say. But definitely the thing with Corey, uh, with Dwayne Casey, I should say, is that he loves this multiple ball handler lineup. And I can't blame him. That probably is a pretty good way to go by it. But he loves playing two point guards together. He even attempted sometimes to run like three guards, three ball handlers together in the lineup last year before even getting uh, Corey Joseph. He did with DeLon Wright a few times. So yep. the thing is, is that I – I mean, you'd hope that he doesn't because they have better options. They have, I mean, with Cade and Killian Erdy, you got multiple ball handlers, and you think, you know, with Frank Jackson coming back and resigning, you'd want to play him with them or Hamdou Diallo playing with them for his athleticism and, and uh, transition. Uh, but Dwayne Casey definitely has a soft spot for Corey Joseph. I mean, it didn't look like – I didn't think that Corey Joseph was going to return because he actually played better for the Pistons than I thought he was going to. I thought he actually would get a role with a, with a contender possibly as a backup guard. But he came back here, so that I mean, I guess that has to suggest that Dwayne Casey told him he may get some minutes here. So I wouldn't rule it out. I can't say yes or no because it's Dwayne Casey, and you never know with Dwayne Casey. So I hope not, but I can't rule it out. Not only did they bring him back, but they waived him and then re-signed him. So it was, uh, it was, and they did the same with Rodney McGruder as well, which I thought was pretty strange, especially considering that uh, they do need to cut down a contract. So they waived those two guys and then brought them back for the upcoming season. It was a frustrating experience. I know it was frustrating for Pistons fans, but again, now you, you can run those two ball handlers, but you got two ball handlers who are top 10 draft picks in Cade and Killian. So hopefully Corey does not hijack that, but I think there is a real risk of him doing that. And you said Frank Jackson, who... I don't know what your thought is. He might be literally the worst passer in the NBA, especially for a guard. I don't think I've ever seen him pass. Maybe that's why he's a bad passer. I literally never see him do it. But he can be a really, really good shooter. He just isn't a guy. He's a guy with point guard size who is the furthest thing from a point guard I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I think the thing with Frank Jackson is is that we saw at the beginning of last season, they tried playing him at point guard. And like you said, <laughs> he's just disaster. not a point guard. He, just, he, he really struggled because that's not what he is. So a lot of people quickly went out on Frank Jackson. But then tor- somewhere towards the middle of the season, they started playing him off ball. And quite literally, there's no like – this is going to sound like exaggeration. Maybe like I'm, I'm getting out of pocket with it. I'm, it. Frank Jackson had the argument to be like probably the Pistons' best scorer last season, like just best pure scorer. He has insane I, – I, it may have just been a hot streak for like the last two months of the season, but last three months or so, whatever it was. But he his ability to not only shoot from beyond, uh, beyond the arc, but shoot from deep distances, create off the dribble, get to the rim. And he also has inc- something I didn't know about him. He has incredible bounce too. Like he's able to dunk on someone if he really wants to. So he's able to create from all three levels and really score at all three levels as well. So it, th- that's what makes me that, that's what makes me confused about this Corey Joseph thing is that if they if they do play Corey Joseph, it's really going to frustrate a lot of Pistons fans, I'm assuming as well, fantasy fans as well, because Frank Jackson is just one of their most gifted scorers on the team, and he did so well last season at the end of the year that it wouldn't really make any sense not to continue playing or give him even more responsibility this year, especially 
which Pistons fans believe they got him back on a bargain contract too. So I, I, I'd hope that he gets minutes this year because he really did like look like one of their best scores, if not possibly their best pure score outside of Jeremy Grant last season. The other guy that brought back as well, who we haven't even touched on, is Saban Lee, who I thought was impressive for an early second round pick. But again, there's Corey Joseph, there's Josh Jackson, there's Hamadou Diallo, there's Frank Jackson, there's Saban Lee. So you're two of those guys that aren't going to play most nights. And there's not many of them who can play up because we talked about the lack of depth at power forward. Josh Jackson's maybe the only guy, but he's only like 6'4". Like, there's no one who can really play up positions huge amounts. So Diallo, they can play a little bit at the three, but there's just a lot of guys concentrating. That's why, again, bringing Corey Joseph back just didn't make a lot of sense, especially when you're bringing back Diallo, Lee, and Frank Jackson as well. And you would hope that they would get those, get those minutes, but we'll see how that all goes down. Last, or not last question, actually. The next question. Sadiq Bey. He was... Yeah, he stepped straight into the starting lineup, replacing Blake Griffin once that situation uh, came to a head. He went in there, he shot well. He actually, actually, that's not true. He shot really well from three. His two-point shooting was bad for the majority of the season. People anointing, and not anointing him, but you know, from a fantasy perspective, we're expecting a big breakout from Sadiq Bay. We're expecting you know, he can really take his game to the next level. Whereas my thing with him heading into the draft, so you know, my pre-draft biases will, will often take place, especially when a guy's played you know, 70 games or whatever he's played. Is that He can be a good shooter, but I'm not sure if there's much upward scalability. Like, can he become a high usage guy? Can he become an impact defender? Can he rebound? Can he pass? And we've seen what he can do. And that's be a really good shooter as more of a, a spot-up type guy. But is there a next level for Sadiq? Or is he going to be, and this is how I think it's going to be, you know, pushed into that same role again with Jeremy Grant, Cade Cunningham, having the, the high usage roles with guys like Stewart, you're know, cleaning up the messes and Killian Hayes doing his thing as a point guard, that Bay's sort of still going to be in that same role. I don't see that upside to become a creation-type wing. Do you think he can take steps forward this year? Um, No. I, yeah. I think it would be a good thing <laughs> if he gets pushed into a 3 and D role. Uh, there, this is actually a huge debate with Pistons fans and the Pistons community. Uh, honestly, not even just like fans, but also like people like me or Pistons who analyze, or guys who analyze the Pistons. Uh, this is an argument that we all have as well. Um, me personally, I don't see that capability in Sadiq at, at all. Um, for one, fantasy purposes, they have Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham who need the ball in their hands, so it just wouldn't make sense. I don't see why they would give the ball to Sadiq and up, up, or up his usage rate, so I don't really get – uh, why they would do that. Uh, second, kind of like you said, uh, Sadiq just doesn't really have like that part to his game. He just doesn't, he, he doesn't look like the type of guy who really, he doesn't really have the wiggle. He did improve. He's trying to at least improve his ball handling and trying like in the summer league, if you watch, like you want to talk about a guy, like you said, Frank Jackson might be the worst pass we've ever seen. Oh my God. Sadiq, yeah. ne- <laughs> Sadiq, Sadiq never, like, I don't think he has an A button on his controller. He just does not pass the ball. Just goes straight, so, straight ahead. He just kept going straight yes. to the rim. Yes. So he, he was trying to, and they said that he, they were trying to give him more responsibility to do that in, in the summer league to see if he actually did improve on those things. But I think he's going to be pushed into that 3 and D role, which I don't think is a bad thing because something that I think Sadiq has shown over the rookie season that he could possibly become better at, and he did do a really good job of that in the summer league, really, is rebounding. He, he's a big body. He's really strong, like finished body too. He looks like a guy who's been in the league for like four years. So he's a, it looks like he could be a really good rebounder at his position. Um, he could take, he was a good shooter last year, but there's another level he can take to become a, like a great, great shooter yep. as well. Um, and also he, he could improve on his two point percentages and just inside the arc, but he can do that by cutting down on some of the shots he was taking. Like, so if he just like, doesn't take us like try to take on a bigger role, that could just get better by that him not doing that because there was a lot of times where he forced the issue. 
sometimes with the Pistons last year, what like when they had a real young lineup out there, he took it upon himself to try to do that, and he just can't really do that. So I'm sure if you talk to some other Pistons fans, they'll say, oh, he can become this, he can become that. One of the funniest ones I, I hear a lot is is Paul George, and I just <laughs> – I it I don't I don't I don't see that, but it'd be great. It it'd be great if he could. Yeah, I mean for real, but it is an argument to to be had. There's, people do argue whether he's going to have a bigger role. Me, I don't think that's going to happen simply because the players are already on the team and his capabilities. But I mean, I guess you can't completely rule it out. I wouldn't like expect it though. No, I I would not either. But before we get into the last question, I got to ask you, Cook. I, I got actually two questions. The number one question I got to ask you here is, what's your favorite flavor of Bilt Bar? The peanut butter flavor. Yeah, no, I'm not not a peanut butter guy. I'm just I can't get behind it. But <laughs> hey, that's why Built Bar has got such a vast array of flavors that whatever your favorite is, you're going to find it there. Whether it's coconut, whether it's cookies and cream, peanut butter, salted caramel, mint. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Not only are these delicious flavors though, again you can get those standard flavors, and they bring out yeah limited edition flavors all the time as well. So make sure you're staying tuned and checking their website. But they are also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So if you are needing a treat, something delicious, and you don't want to blow out your caloric budget for the day, Built Bar is the one to go for. And you can also save 15% off by going to built.com and using our promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at built.com. Football season is upon us. If you're wanting to place bets for football, pro, college, bet online is the place that you need to do it. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at BetOnline. Be sure to take advantage also of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, you get your bet refunded up to $25 for new customers who sign up using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, or even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Get involved now and see all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. I was going to ask a question about Kelly Olenek cutting into Isaiah Stewart's minutes, but we've sort of touched on that already. So let's talk about the two number one type of players on this team, and that is Cade Cunningham and Jeremy Grant. Now, Jeremy Grant, I, along with most others, were very critical of that sort of contract and putting him into a number one role last year. And at the start of the year, I looked pretty stupid for that because he was absolutely flying. High usage, high efficiency, efficiency. I try again, efficiency. And then the season went on and we saw that really crater. And because a lot of people, I guess, stopped paying as much attention to the Pistons at the end of the season, may not have realized just how inefficient Jeremy Grant was at the end of last season. Now, I pose this question this way. Jeremy Grant, I think, did way too much at the beginning of last season, mainly because he was forced to in the role that he was put into. And it really did, I think, end up hurting his overall efficiency in his overall game. But with Cade Cunningham coming in now, who I expect to be taking some of that shot creation load away from Jeremy Grant, I'm expecting some of his efficiency to bounce back and him to settle into a role that is more suitable to his skill sets, not as the number one 26, 27% usage guy who's driving an entire offense, but as a number two guy, as a number three guy, as someone who takes more high efficiency shots and doesn't have to create everything himself how am I off base by saying that everything sort of really created for him in the second half of that season is that how Pistons people are seeing it and is there renewed optimism that he is going to actually be put into a role that suits what he's able to do so the thing with Jeremy is that a lot of Pistons fans love Jeremy I, I love Jeremy uh, as yeah, well they should so the thing yeah absolutely so the thing with Jeremy like you said he definitely started off the season 
just uh, like playing out of this mind. Like I, I, not even just like the first few weeks. Like he played like the first, I believe, like two months yeah. or two and a half months, like looking, yep. looking spectacular. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of argument to be had, at least from the Pistons community, that he should be an All Star. Absolutely. Uh, so he was, he was literally playing out of his mind. I think if you talk to Piston guys, the bigger worry with Jeremy is not whether. So like if you go to Synergy, and I bring this up all the time, like he ranked, I believe, in like this around the 70th percentile in isolation. So he actually did show the ability to create space with with the ball in his hands and score and go finish around the rim. He was really good about finishing around the rim. He just is really athletic, really long. Uh, he can finish above guys, through guys, and he uh, he showed that he was able to create space. Basically, is what I'm saying, and be a pretty good ISO scorer. The thing with Jeremy, I believe, if you talk to a lot of people, is that once the Pistons got rid of Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. And the rest of the pieces on the team just, I mean, Killian also was gone for a long time. You can have whatever pin you want about Killian's rookie season. When he came back, he was a featured ball handler. He looked much better. And that could have helped take some pressure off of Jeremy. But by the time Killian came back, the Pistons basically were in full tank mode by then. So Jeremy and them didn't really get to play much together. But basically, once Blake and Derek left, all the focus went directly on Jeremy. Defenses were just only focusing on Jeremy because he basically was the only creator they had. So if, if you talk to many Piston guys, the majority of the concern was not really Jeremy's skill level because Jeremy did show improvements in his skill and that he could possibly be – like even with Cade here, I, I think a lot of us expect him still to be a 20-plus per game score. Uh, at least like – I went. what did he average this year? Like 23, 24, I believe, per game? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring, I, bring that up while you, uh, while you talk. We'll just find those numbers because I don't have them in front of me. All right. So I, I would assume that we expect him to be around 2021 20, still. Uh, but his skill and his ability to do the things he was doing last year, I don't think people are questioning him. We saw it legit was capable of happening. Just with Kay Cunningham, I think it's going to help him even more, especially in his outside shooting, because outside shooting kind of went down as well the more uh, he was asked to do. And it seemed like his legs started to give out as well. Uh, with Kay Cunningham on the team and Killing Hayes as well now healthy, you expect some of that responsibility to be taken from him. But don't think – I wouldn't say that his, his stats and his production are going to drop off too far because his – his improvement was legit, and they do expect him still to be like that number one guy, number two guy with Cade. They think really highly of Jeremy still. So I think he was, his efficiency will, efficiency will get better simply because he's playing with better players now. I don't expect his numbers to drop too far off because I think he was legit last year. The beginning of the season was legit. He averaged over 22 points, like 22.3 last year. I've got him actually projected this year at just a smidge over 20 per game. So that's basically falling in line with the sort of suggestion that you're making there. That a little bit of a drop in usage will come. You're probably back with an increase in efficiency as he gets to play alongside better players. But Kerr, I reckon I've kept you long enough today. We've talked Pistons. You can hear more of Koo's takes over on Locked On Pistons. Koo, thank you for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Yes, sir. I'll be on anytime you need me. And that will do it for today's show. I'll be back with the Detroit Pistons fantasy-specific shows, talking sleepers and busts and all that sort of stuff as we've done for all of these shows. Don't forget there will be position tiers, point guard show coming tomorrow. We'll be doing, I think, Rockets and Pacers previews as well. So so much content coming your way. And the best way to make sure you never miss out is follow Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app, but on YouTube. Hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, hit the thumbs up, Leave a comment and then you will always see these videos appear in your feed. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.